Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So, three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at tmobile.com. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Kaiju Curry House. I'm joined today by Alex. Hi there. Joe. Howdy. And special guest, Jason Lyles. Hello. Hello, Jason. Thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, guys. We're connecting across the planet today. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, do our best. So, so Jason. Oh, sorry, Joe. Yeah, I was going to say, Jason. For those of our listeners who do not know who you are, but have perhaps seen you in one form or another. Yes. How are you connected to the monster fandom? <laughs> um, in a few ways, I guess. You probably wouldn't recognize me going down the street. You'd just be like, well, that's a tall guy. He probably plays basketball or something like that. <laughs> um, but I, I have been Ryuk in Death Note. I have been George, the albino gorilla in Rampage. And I have been the center head of King Ghidorah in Godzilla King of the Monsters, as well as Rodan. So <gasps> you probably would not recognize me. Oh. We've been wondering who plays Rodan, and now we know. That, yeah. That was me. That was me. Well, if you look at the credits, it's himself. It was himself. <laughs> it was himself, yeah. They, they stole that from you. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you've, you've joined a good group, though. We've got Boris Karloff and, Gre- and Glenn Strange. You know, the monster was itself. So, you know, like, again, good company. Yeah. Got that yeah, going no, for absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I'm just, I'm happy we were credited at all, because I know there are a lot of times when uh, actors aren't. So we're in there. DJ Storm, Alan Maxson, Richard Dorton, and myself. So um, we're just proud to be a part of that like oh my gosh that's wonderful because i have noticed actually looking through your imdb that there's a couple of roles where it mm. does say uncredited and i thought huh well that's unfair i'm gonna yeah. ask him about it anyway okay okay <laughs> yeah we could, we could definitely go down there sure you can ask any questions awesome joe what have kaiju been up to right so um in our group uh joe devito who um kind of related to George and Rampage, he does a lot of King Kong stuff. He, mm. um, his storyline is canon with the original Marion C. Cooper movie, which no other um, written or illustrated property is. His is the only one. Um, 
his version of Kong came out as a 17 centimeter high uh, posable figure by Mezco, and they do really great figures, Mezco. And I was really pumped when he posted that and says, oh yeah, available for Mezco toys. And then I went to look on the site and it was already sold out. Wow. So now, so now oh. I am pining for this really awesome King Kong. But um, yeah, Joe does really good work and um, he posts from the group from time to time, but he's an illustrator and a writer and he kind of, he does a really great job with that Kong. So that was my high and low point today. You see, it's <laughs> sounding all high to me because you just set the bar as you will get that figure signed by him. That is that is the goal now. Yeah. Uh, actually, he was he was really lovely. Um, he uh, did a Kickstarter for his combined works. It's uh, an enormous illustrated tome of all things Kong. And basically, it takes you back into the prehistory of Skull Island, back when human beings first went there. So even in the original movie, in every version of Kong that has come since, there's been a civilization on that island. There have been ruins on that island. And his collected tome shows you how that civilization got there, why they were there, why the Kongs are there, what the Kongs were originally to these people. It, it was It's really neat stuff. And um, he did the Kickstarter for that. And I was chatting to him. I was like, you know, when you send mine out, you're going to sign it, right? And, you know, bless him, he did. He wrote a note in the cover and everything for me. Like, he's a really hmm. lovely guy. Absolutely love it. But he is just a fan to the core. He does it because he loves it. And if you look up, um, his website is DeVito Artworks, or Kong King of Skull Island, not to be confused with Kong Skull Island, the movie, but Kong King of Skull Island, that's uh, his creative uh, body of works. So if you look it up online, it's all great stuff. It is great, great stuff. But anyways, that's my tangent for what I've been doing. That sounds wonderful. Paul, Thank you. <laughs> Paul, what have Kaiju been up to? Um, I've been sinking a lot of hours into a game called Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, you might have heard of the franchise. It's quite big. Uh, it was released in 2018, and it's not normally a Kaiju yeah, right. game. Come on. If I get however, called out for watching... However... No, no, no. Stop there, Paul. What the hell? If I get called out for saying It Follows is a Kaiju movie, and then you're suddenly <laughs> dropping an Assassin's Creed, get to hell. <laughs> the... I'm done. I'm All done. Right, Paul, I'm justify yourself here. Justify let's it. Ju let's justify and say this is set in ancient Greece, and there are some myths that came from ancient Greece. Okay, maybe not... Again, what's the definition of kaiju? We're not going to get into that. But there are certainly some mythical creatures in the game, which are awesome. And it's always good to see a someone else's representation of a uh, mythical creature, I think. So, you know, I can we, can we a have Minotaur. A, can, you, can you drop a spoiler? Oh, Minotaur? Okay. Minotaur okay. is one of them. There's, there's four mythical creatures. Minotaur oh, did you hear one that? Of them. I haven't found one of them yet. That was that was the sound of you stretching the definition of kaiju beyond all recognition. <laughs> oh, what was that? That's the sound of you whiffing as you've missed. <laughs> no. I had to explain what a whiff was to Alex a few weeks ago. So Jason. now I'm using it at every opportunity. <laughs> we don't play baseball. Yeah. yeah. Like when, you, so... when you whiff in a baseball game, it's just, <laughs> you hit nothing. I'm... I'm like that parent who hears a slang word that a teenager says and now I'm overusing it. So at school, I'm like, oh, that was oh, a whiff. No, you I was like, that, aren't you? What's yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, no, it was a whiff. Yeah. Now, now that's a new word for my vocabulary. <laughs> All right, Alex, what have Kaiju been up to then? Thank you for asking. I've been watching <laughs> the 
2012 film Storage 24. I was recommended this by my dear cousin, who picked up the monster face for his sci-fi museum. And I heard nothing about it until he came along and said, oh, look at this in this box. It's come along from eBay. It's a giant monster head in a box. I'm like, oh, that's very interesting. Neil, why have you got that? Opens it up. I'm like, good Lord, you spent money on more monster heads. Anyway, it gets it out and says, oh, this is from a film, Storage 24. It's a monster horror creature feature type thing where a bunch of people are stuck in this storage container and there's a grizzly beast in there that's eating them. And it's... It's fine. It's a canny little film. It's not amazing. Quite a cheap budget. It's obvious that they picked a storage um, room because it saves on the set. But the monster looks cool. I'll post up pictures to the Facebook page about that. That's kind of giving me Creepshow vibes. Have you guys seen Creepshow? I have not. I have, yeah, I think, wasn't it a film or was it a series? Yeah, yeah, it's a film, but it's like an anthology. And there's, uh, I think there's a short segment of that, which Hmm. is called The Crate. And it's just like there's like this yeti, the carnivorous like yeti type thing. Okay. And it's stuck in this crate, and the guy finds it in like a storage hmm. thing at the bottom of a building, like like in the basement, you know, where all these boxes stuff. It's like a low budget version of Indiana Jones's Indiana Jones's uh, Area Fifty One. Okay. But yeah, he ends up feeding like the wife that he doesn't get along with to the thing. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we're like in true creep show vibes, it, it is horror, but it's also got hmm. like a bit of like goofy pluck to it as well yeah but yeah creep show vibes with that okay well this uh, this film comes in at 87 minutes and it got 4.4 stars on imdb out of hey. 10 so n- not not great oh. i mean well, actually that, that's standard for kaiju movies isn't it <laughs> four stars must be a classic <laughs> i thought you were about to say out of five and i was like oh maybe i'll check this one out <laughs> <laughs> um oh i get to do this um jason what have kaiju been up to well, um, a lot, uh, as far as just the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020. The other day I was reminded via Facebook that it was, um, uh, and this is leading into Kaiju, but it was a friend of mine's two year wedding anniversary. And that is the trip I was on when I got a text from Mike Doherty at midnight. Hey, what are you doing next month? You want to do some mocap for Godzilla? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And it took me four days to get him on the phone. Um, so interesting that that was almost two years ago and I just, not a kaiju, but as a monster, just got done playing a monster at the end of 2019 in a new series called Stereoscope. So I'll be the lead antagonist, completely unrecognizable in that thing, um, in that creature suit. And earlier today, stalking out of Wingard, trying to see when are you going to tell us anything about Godzilla vs. Kong? Like, what the crap, man? Let's, let's go. <laughs> Where's the trailer? Where's anything? But that's that's the most kaiju monster stuff that I've been up to recently. To be fair, that's a bit better than I, what we've kind of offered up. I mean, like, you know, it's pretty cool. Sorry, Paul. Oh. And I'm playing video games as well, but they have nothing to do. I guess they have monsters in them. I've been playing Dead Cells on Nintendo Switch, which I don't know if I'll ever beat. I don't know if anyone's ever played that. The game is ridiculously fun. Very, like, I've heard a lot of elements things. of games I like. It's... It's it's quite an awesome game because it, it, it you start from scratch every time, but you level up and bring things back. It's very Diablo-esque that there's random drops, random stuff. So, yeah, don't get me talking about video games. We'll, we'll go off on tangents forever. <laughs> I'm going to throw this out here since by me. we're talking about video games. When you talk about fun games and, like, when you die, you have to start from the beginning. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm just going to say the title of this game. And if anybody here in this podcast has played it, I'm going to see it on your face. Metal Slug 3. Ah, I love Metal Slug. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm high-fiving you for Metal Slug. Um, <laughs> y- you mentioning video games, Jason, that's our natural segue. How oh, was great. it 
playing such, you know, an iconic video game character in Rampage? That was seriously like, I, I've had asked, you know, what's your favorite role you've played, which is really tough because so far from what's come out, there's Ryuk and Death Note, George and Rampage, and uh, mainly Ghidorah's Centerhead and a little bit of Rodan and Godzilla. But um, dude, playing George was just awesome because I played that game when I was a kid. I remember going over to my friend Nick's house in middle school because he got a 64 and got that Rampage World Tour. We played that. I'm pretty sure I played as George. <laughs> um, and uh, then getting to, I was such a huge fan of Andy Circus and Gollum yeah. and Lord of the Rings, which was Weta Digital through New Line Cinema. And then look, New Line Cinema is making Rampage with Weta Digital. A lot of the team who played, you know, or who worked on King Kong, worked on Planet of the Apes. Um, and I'm a massive Andy Circus and Terry Notary fan. Terry Notary, for people who don't know, has worked with and trained Andy Circus and everybody on the Planet of the Apes movies. He is King Kong and Kong Skull Island. He trained Josh Brolin on Thanos. He trained me one-on-one on Rampage. And then the rock stars in it, so I'm with him every day. That that was just my one of my best friends in the world. Colin Strauss was the visual effects supervisor and uh, one of my groomsmen in my wedding. And he's just that was an amazing experience. Not only filming it, but training, studying for almost a year, and preparing, falling in love with gorillas. Um, we don't have nearly enough time. Rampage was an incredible experience. It was incredible. <laughs> it's good because we could do an entire episode just on Rampage. But correct me if I'm wrong, your friend and colleague basically had you lined up or pushed you for the role. Yes. Uh, as George, because he knew you from Rio yes. in Death Note. Have I got yes, that right? that's exactly right. You've done your, you've done your homework. Yeah. He, hey. he, he kept mentioning on Death Note, you know, his next movie coming up, Rampage. He had just finished, um, you know, Baywatch. They had just finished and that came out the following year. And he'd also done an, um, San Andreas. So he had done a few movies, a couple movies with, huh. with, with Dwayne already. But it wasn't until we got back in town um, in L.A. And we were at a barbecue at his house when he was flipping burgers on his grill. And he's like, what do you know about gorillas? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean? And he's like, well, they're looking for someone taller than, than Dwayne to, to play this gorilla. He raises from birth. And he teaches him sign language. So I'm going to tell him you're, you're my number one choice to start studying gorillas and, you know. Don't make me look like an idiot. They're going to call you in in the next week or two. But that was five months later they called me in. And uh, and then they had Terry Notary meet with me and have like a faux training audition session. And then at the, at the end of that, he's like, yeah, so when we start training next week, I'm like, what? That's it? Are you serious? What? Uh, and then we trained in the mountains for several weeks and then was on set for three months. It was, but yeah, it was all Colin Strauss was, um, who was also partially my stand-in at times. Um which I, I totally made fun of him for because he would hold like a cutout of George because it had the width uh, of, of like George in certain <laughs> scenes. And uh, so, yeah, I, I made fun of him for being my stand-in in certain scenes, being the visual effects supervisor. IMDb says that your first role was Lights Out TV series back in 2011, but that's, that's obviously not very kaiju-y. So yeah. what, uh, what would be your first kind of big role for yourself that you thought, yeah, I'm really going into the business now? Death Note, for sure. Yeah, there were some other... Men in Black 3 is what showed me um, that I I had something unique that I didn't think about with my height to play Creatures and Monsters and working with seven-time... one He won his seventh Oscar while we were filming, Rick Baker, um, the living legend who since is retired. Um, but then when I got Death Note, when I moved out to LA, that allowed me to quit waiting tables and, and quit my day job and Went to Vancouver and playing one of these, you know, in my my favorite role in Death Note. Um, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm teaming up with Willem Dafoe and 
Um, that opened up a ton of doors. I mean, there were a couple of things as soon as I got back in town that I was being looked at for. And I was like, whoa, what? This is happening. This is awesome. Um, so that by far, that was the one that, that was the first big one where I felt like I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I have now, now I know people. I have a, a huge credit I can point to. Um, yeah. Mm, that, that was your critical mass. That was a spectacular performance. That was a spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Oh, thank you. No, I, I was a huge fan of the uh, anime. I can't say that we can necessarily get a lot of the manga over here, but I did page through it. But that yeah. anime was fantastic. And I think it yeah, was... the same. I loved it. it. It is a fascinating series. I mean, it is... It, it, it's it's just a deep thinking storyline, isn't it? Like everything yeah. that you... Every, there's nothing in that show that doesn't mean something. And yeah. just... It's it is the eventual. It's it's really interesting because it's the downfall of ideal that's really captured in that show. Um, a question yeah. that I'm going to ask you, as yep. a fan, as someone who's a part of it. Um, obviously, the show had a lot. How do you think they did cramming the show into that film? I think they did a great. I think Adam Wingard did a phenomenal job. I think the writers did a great job. I mean, it's it's hard to yeah. to take yeah. <laughs> that and to put that into an hour and forty ish minute movie. Uh, while it's an impossible task, it's, let's just say that it's yeah. an impossible task yeah. to fit all of Death Note into that. It really and they, is. They, they did, you're right; they did do a great job. Yeah, it's, Compri- it's so summarizing. Hard to do that. All they could do is summarize it. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah, and and then. They didn't. I mean, you you could say, well, we could set it up to where it would be sequels and stuff. But I think in that situation, you don't know if there's going to be sequels if the first one isn't successful. So I think I think it seemed like they kind of made it like, well, this might be the only one, but if it's successful, then we can make more, um, which they are. Which I have no idea where those are going. I have no what? idea. Way to drop a bomb. Oh, that's oh. amazing. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, I didn't that's, know that. It's it's out there. It's hidden. But it's out there that they're making sequels. Like the writer tweeted about it a couple of months ago. Um, like, yeah, it's in good hands. It's still coming. You're going to love it. Like the CFO of, of Netflix like a year or so ago. Um, and it, like in a long article of like, this is coming. We're doing this. We're doing that. Also, we're still making Death Note sequels. Doing this. We're doing that. It's just like, it was just very slowly. They haven't had a massive announcement, but it's been set out there. Like we're making sequels. Like we're making. Okay. Sequels. Making, but I have no idea where they're going. I don't know if Adam Wingard is going to direct. I don't know anything. There are fascinating places that they could go with that because there are other entities yeah. besides Ryuk that, yeah. are ju- that are just as interesting. Yeah. So not, I'm not going to spoil anything for people who haven't seen the anime or read the manga, but there are some very sympathetic entities. Ryuk's kind of just like, he's kind of like a sarcastic trickster type character. He's really fun, yeah. but there are, there are character, there are entities that become really invested in people in, yep. which they should be, which is really cool. And I think that that's a fascinating way to, you know, yeah. or direction to yeah. go. In. But, oh yeah. That must've been a really fun project. Like it's like really so much fun. Get in. Well, so, it was in Vancouver as well. So I don't know if you've ever been to Vancouver. Vancouver is an amazing town with incredible, incredible food, incredible people, incredible hiking. It's gorgeous. The mountains there. And so just getting to go live there for a few months you know, um, not getting a massive paycheck, but making more than I ever made per week on, you know, at, at a restaurant or anything. <laughs> yeah, I was right? just like, this is awesome. Oh my gosh, are you serious? And then my wife, my uh, girlfriend at the time came up for like a month, month and a half and stayed with me, which was so cool. Days on set, you know, days off, we'd go hiking or something. And, um, and so that was, that was a, that was a dream come true experience. Um, uh, quite, quite a way to quit waiting tables and, 
and play such a cool. And then finding out a weekend, like, like we got Willem Dafoe. I was like, Oh my gosh, are you serious? Like, He's an amazing actor. Oh my gosh. I'm like on a list of people to meet. He must've been so cool. I was like, He's going to be my voice. Are you serious? Oh, he was so nice. He was so cool. Somewhere there's a photo of, of myself and Adam Wingard, like holding him up oh, like, nice. like at, the, at the red card. Like, ah, cause Adam's like six, four and I'm six, nine and Willem Dafoe's like six, like five, ten. And so he was like trying to get up. He was trying to like <laughs> put his arms around us and get up for a photo. So we just picked up his legs. We're like, Hey, and, um, but I, I had some really great advice going into that. A good friend of mine is Doug Jones, who's also yeah, a mentor yeah. in a way. And so he, he, I called him immediately. I was like, "Hey, what advice?" And he's like, "Oh, child, no, you'll be fine. You, you, I, you don't, you know everything. I don't, you can't help. You know, you'll, you'll be. Oh, oh no, there is one piece of it. Okay, he's like, <laughs> actually, uh, he said, you know, I've, I've there have been many times when I've been the body, and I know it wasn't going to be the voice. Um, but you have to prepare as if you are going to be the face and the voice." Because that's all that anyone has to work off of on set. They'll never meet whoever's doing the voice um, while they're filming. And just like I'm talking now with my hands, it's tied into my physicality. And I can't speak at a cadence or a rhythm that, like, I'm setting the tone. Whoever's doing the voice, they're going to have to match. And so I have to be sure to come in and bring my A game. Otherwise, you know, I can't be talking really, really rapidly, but, like, moving slowly and all this or vice versa. It's got to all match together. So he said, you're going to set the foundation for whoever they bring in will will voice act over. So he said, prepare 100. And that was like, that was great advice. That's a brilliant piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I brought it as if there was no Willem Dafoe. And then he just came in and, like, oh, my gosh, he's, he's just amazing. He's amazing. My favorite movie that he did or was a part of was The Hunter. Mm. Have you seen that one? I really liked that one. I haven't seen that one. I know that it's supposed to be so, so, so good. There's so many movies I haven't seen that I need to see. I'm, I'm behind. He's naturally good in everything, isn't he? So. <laughs> He's amazing. He's amazing. And, and we have so many things we need to talk about for this session. However, yes. we're going to take our first break and we'll return shortly. Hey, everyone. This is Greg from Red Shirts and Runabouts. We're the resident Star Trek podcast as part of the Heroes Podcast Network group. If you love Star Trek and things science fiction, we're definitely the show for you. Join us as we talk about Star Trek Discovery the new Picard show, and other ongoing content and new creations from the Star Trek universe. If you want to find us, search Red Shirts and Runabouts podcast on Apple and Google Play. And if you want to interact with us as a host, you can find us at Red Shirts Pod on Twitter. Greetings and welcome back to Kaiju Curry House. My name is Alex. I'm joined by Joe, Paul, and none other than Jason Lyles. Say hello, Jason. Hello, hello. Jason has been chatting to us about his earlier work in Death Note as Ryuk, which kind of springboarded his career onto fantastic work uh, as none other than George in Rampage. Can you tell us about the early stages of when you began that role? Because from what I've read, there was a significant amount of method acting. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's. I guess it depends on how you define method acting. A lot of people define it in different ways. Um, but I, I very much, well, this will be jumping forward, but I'll, I'll come back to, to leading up to, to, to filming. But when filming, it was very much um, staying in character most days as just as long as possible, uh, not breaking between cuts. I mean, um, Dwayne would kind of, you know, come on set and I'm already in character for like an hour or something. And he would, and just kind of working the space as George, um, Terry notary who can Kong and Kong skull Island. He's played so many characters. He's rocket and so many other apes and planet of the apes. He trained Andy circus a dozen different times, trained Josh. He was training Josh Brolin as Thanos at that time. 
uh, when they were filming Infinity Warrior and Endgame back-to-back in Atlanta. Um, he taught me when they want you on set, you'll be in the Weta tent with, with Weta Digital and, and their team. Let them know you need 10 minutes before you're ever, you're ever you're going set. I had an audio that was him walking me through the steps of getting into George psychologically. And I would do that. I would do some some exercises to get in it physically. And then I would walk from the tent when I was ready to set as George. And he said, people will very quickly realize you're not responding to Jason. Um, and then Dwayne would come on set. He was one. Of, he and the director were one of the only couple of people I would break with uh, when filming. Like Dwayne would come on and give me give me like a, a a nod or a wink or fist bump or something. Then I, um, and uh, and Brad would come over and talk to me. You know, kind of as George. Uh, but the, it just helps because like if it's like cut, I'm checking my iPhone. Like I'm not in the right headspace. You know, so I'd left my phone on on in my trailer and and would stay in it. And especially for the scenes when George is having like a panic attack or. There were stretches in some scenes for hours when I just had tears and snot all over my face. When I was just like, my heart rate was going, I just kept myself up. Like I would be charging and screaming at extras and like knocking a couple over with fear. Like I wouldn't actually touch them, but I would charge up to them because they'd be like, oh my gosh, Dwayne Johnson, what'd you do for dinner last night? And I'm like, no, when they say action, I might kill you. And so I would charge them and they'd be like, dude, like, oh my gosh. And then I'd apologize at lunch and they're like, no, it was awesome. Um, But for prep... The prep was, yeah, so, so it was November 2016. We'd been back from, uh, from Death Note for a couple of months, and the visual effects supervisor had a barbecue at his house and asked me, what do you know about gorillas? And um, he said, I'm going to recommend you as the top guy for it. Um, they want someone taller than Dwayne. At that point, he was like, I think they want you for just for this one scene, one or two scenes when they need someone taller, and then it would be like maybe Andy Serkis for the rest of the film. And I was like, okay, so just a couple of weeks. And he said, they're, they're going to want to meet with you in a week or two. November went by, December went by, January went by, February went by. Um, and every week or two, he was like, hey, so another thing, you know, putting out fires and pre-production and development, all this. But they're going to call you. They know about you. They know I keep talking about you. They're going to bring you in maybe next week, maybe next week, maybe next week, maybe next week. So I just kept going to the zoo. I kept watching every interview with Terry Notary and Circus, every behind the scenes of Planet of the Apes and King Kong and documentaries on gorillas and Rewatching certain ones that had great insight into not just their physicality, but who they were on the inside. Um, finding out from Andy Circus, you know, what do I need to know about motion capture, performance capture? Nothing. Nothing. It's just different cameras. The acting is the exact same. I think that's one question I've got. Like, like, how did you become a motion capture actor? I was like, I, I'm an actor. I don't know. And then I worked in motion capture. I was like asking Gary Oldman, how did you become a makeup actor for, for, you know, when, you know, no, it, it just, he was acting with makeup on. Um, and performance capture is kind of like putting makeup on in post-production. But I studied, 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 and then met with Terry Notary uh, once they finally called at like the end of February and met with him at the beginning of March of 17 and um, had like a faux training session for like an hour and a half on the on the arm extensions, but really just getting out of my head as a person and just into my body as an animal. His methodology is that don't play an ape, don't pretend to be an ape. We are 97% identical to chimps in DNA. We are closer to chimps than chimps are to gorillas in DNA, actually. And so he said, it's not what you do, but it's about undoing. It's about shedding the layers psychologically. We're all severed at the head of like, oh, okay, how, how we know each other and we're on Skype and all this and that. We're, we're recording and like, and politeness and eye, and eye contact and nodding and all that and asking for permission said, if we can shed all the things that make you a male, a human, an American, Jason, all these, a son, a, a boyfriend, whatever, all those 
labels and just get you down to a blank slate foundation where you're in tune with your senses. You can listen with your back. You have a wide focus of the room. You're tied into your breath. You're letting your mind sit in a hammock and you're just there owning the space. That's the foundation. Then we can bring in the physicality and we will find George in you with that psychology, vocals, and physicality. So difficult over three weeks of training in the mountains with him. Hours and hours and hours of sitting down and meditating and getting to a place of just complete no mind, getting up and practicing these physical just miles on their arm extensions, working through scenes. Terry Notary was my Davis, Dwayne's character in the movie, while we were training. Um, so I was complete. He had me completely. I could not have done this without Terry Notary. Terry Notary, I don't know. I, I'm glad no one will ever know what George would have been without Terry Notary's helping me. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so that was weeks of training. And then, um, working with Brad Payton a little bit as well so that we could be on the same page of who, how he saw George, which was so important. Um, rehearsing with him some in Atlanta. And then about a month before prep, just keeping that up every day with my own arm extensions, going back to that spot where we trained, working on stuff and continuing to work through production and then getting on set with Dwayne Johnson and being completely starstruck at first, but, but very, quickly just seeing he's just the nicest guy in the world with the hugest heart, no ego, so humble, so hardworking, um, submits himself to the director a hundred percent. So yeah, that, and then we filmed for three months and it was crazy. So that was the prep for it. And in, in as much of a nutshell as I can possibly do. From other interviews that I've read, it describes how actually you went through an incredible amount of pain, which I think you've explain very well not just the physical pain from the repetitive exercise you're doing with all of kind of the arm work but also from what you're what you're describing it's the mental pain certainly when i've done meditation in the past it is ironically exhausting trying to think about nothing because we yeah. are such so creatures and we're always, you know, oh, well, there's this to do, there's that to do. Whether you're thinking about, oh, the dishes need doing or they will have had a row with yeah. the other half and actually that's going to affect my day. You know, there's always something going on. There's always busyness and yeah. shedding that can be, well, I can only imagine how difficult it must have been for the role that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. When I had, I had already been practicing meditation daily for, for years leading up to that. So I had, I had had a lot of good prep, um, a book that was like a foundation of, of, getting to that place of, of presence that Terry's used before, uh, used with Brandon Ralph on Superman Returns when he trained him, was the power of now. And so I instantly brought that up in the training for the first like audition training session with him. And he's like, yeah, oh my gosh, that's everything. Like, I love that writer. Oh my gosh. Um, so we connected on that really quickly. And um, But there, there were scenes, you know, if you've seen the film, there's a scene when George is in a bear cave. Uh, well, there was a scene the first day we shot – uh, first two days were George breaking out of this massive cage um, the day after he got infected. And now he's, you know, he's doubled in size and all this and that. And, and he, ends, he ends up saying he's hungry because he's growing pains of doubling in size overnight. Oh, my gosh. And he breaks down this cage, gets out in the zoo parking lot. That scene before he breaks out is him action. He's at 1% of a panic attack. By the end of it, he is at 100% of a full-on panic attack. And that's why he breaks out. He's just, he's having, he's freaking out. Um and so doing that over and over again, manifesting a panic attack for 15 hours the first day, a forced call, so not enough time to really sleep, and then a 19-hour day the second day, physically I was exhausted because like there's like there's like squeezing every muscle in your body while <laughs> – and that over and over again hurts your voice. And But it, I felt so alive doing it because I used to 
be subject to panic attacks and anxiety when I was a kid. And I couldn't stop them. And then I, there were certain takes when I was like, I just manifested and then it cut stopped a full on panic attack. What the crap? That was crazy. Like it was incredible how I could, how Terry helped me get in control of my mind and my body. And then the scene with the bear cave, uh, in the bear cave, um, in the zoo when, when Davis is like, are you okay? Everything okay? What happened? And there were, t- if, if you can find behind the scenes shots, which are out there, there, there's tears and snot all over my face. Makeup would try and clean it up. And I was like, if it's not, if it's not messing the makeup, leave me alone. Like, leave me alone. Let me stay in it. Like, I just found a spot where I felt so sorry as George. And, um, it was just all over trembling. It felt so cool to be like, oh my gosh, I can, don't stay in it. Don't stay in it. Like, to be to that place. I remember afterwards, Dwayne was like, how do you not take that home? And I was like, I, I don't know. I make like a joke. Like I make a fart noise. I, mean, it's just, I just know it's not real. There's a part of me that knows it's not real, but I know how to, I've, Terry Notary showed me how to suspend that. So there were, there were days where there were like, there was a four day stretch one time when I didn't leave my apartment. I just like, I was so physically sore and exhausted. And I was like, holy crap, I need to be a hundred percent in four days. Like, and finally, by like the day before, I'm like, okay, I'm 90%. Okay. And so, but it was, it was so interesting to just kind of see how much, if you can really believe something in your mind, what your body, how your body can react. It's pretty crazy. The, the mind does not know the difference in thinking about something happening and it actually happening, which is why we can have panic attacks, which is why you can watch a scary movie and be scared. Um, it was a fascinating experience of learning about myself playing George because George is just me with the different vocals and physicality and psychology. So to immerse yourself in that vulnerability for so long, what was it like to step down, you know, from that time period of acting and then to eventually on the last day, right, I'm done. I'm done being George. I know you said that you are George to an extent, but what was that like? What was that step down like? I'll have to, um, I'll have to like not get emotional, honestly, man. It was because it was, it was a dream come true. I have, I, I recorded videos of myself in my trailer the last few days, just kind of talking, just kind of video library, uh, diary to, to it about what it was like closing up. And, um, I need to release it. If, if Rampage ever gets a sequel, which I've heard whispers about, but I've, I, we'll see. Um, that's, that's mainly on Dwayne's schedule, which is so busy. Um, if it does, then I'll post <laughs> I need this. to see a Vern. We got to have a Vern. <laughs> um, but I have, I have a video that one of the producers got because Dwayne and I rapped at the exact same moment. And Dwayne, um, you know, thanked, you know, is this, was this, uh, third, third film with Brad Payton. And, um, and then I wanted to say something and, and he, you know, he pointed to me and said, Jason, and they got this on video and I have it on my phone. And, uh, you know, like when you're going to, when you're quiet and you feel like if I say one word, I'm going to start bawling, but if I don't, I won't. But if I start talking, the floodgates are going to open. I had that feeling. I was like, maybe I can get rid of this before I have to talk. And no. And I, I started crying and um, and just told everyone how this was a dream come true. This is my second movie. This is a dream come true in every single way. I can't even express. I wanted this as a kid. I can't believe this happened. Um, and I'm just so thankful to everyone. And and then everyone clapped. And Dwayne came over and gave me a big hug. And I have it all on video. And so I'll, I'll put that up on Instagram at some, you know, if there's like a sequel or something. But um, it was – I didn't want it to end. I knew it had to. There's a part of me that was like, okay, I'm ready to go home and see my girlfriend and I'm exhausted. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I feel great about my work. <laughs> Let's just like tie it up in a bow. It's done. Because um, it was exhausting every day, but it was some of the most fun of my entire life. So I, 
I would I would love to do a sequel. And life life changing from what you're saying. Yeah, showed me a lot about myself. Showed me a lot about just how much in control of how we feel we are, because that was a role that I pushed myself to limits physically and emotionally and manifested in a way that were real, but I was creating because of just what I chose to believe that was crazy. Showed me with all of Terry, with Terry Nody's training, he kind of showed me a control panel inside of my body and my mind of like how to not pretend, but truly feel something that's not happening and truly be a character rather than play or pretend to be a character. Um, and so it really, it really showed me a lot about myself and life, and and um, yeah, I learned a ton from from that from that role for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause that You're was, getting deep, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That, that's probably yeah. one of the most personal discussions I think we've ever had with an interview. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. We are under the pressure of time, so if you're yes. okay with it, can we start talking specifically about your role as the centre sure. head of King Jidora? Sure. Because for some of our fans, sure. that is their core interest. I mean, I could talk about Rampage all day, just especially your role within that. Yeah. But I think we're all keen to hear about that. Rodan! And, and we want to hear about Rodan! Have, have your moment, Joe. I can tell, yeah. Yeah, say Rodan. <laughs> Come on, the brain. I mean, like this is a rare opportunity. Rodan was taking on everybody in that movie. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. Um, How did Godzilla King of the Monsters that- happen for you? Let's rewind back. It's a great question. Let's go back to 2014. Wow. Um, okay. I auditioned for Krampus. Oh, that Mike oh, wow. Doherty did, <laughs> and he liked me a lot. And we were, um, I, I was in New York, he was in LA. We had a, we had a half hour Skype chat. He was showing me around his office, showing me concept art of this is what Krampus is going to look like when we re- take off his fake mask that he's wearing the whole time. I'm like, what? You're showing me a lot of stuff here. Um, and, uh, sent me, uh, pre visualization scenes to study all this, sent in the tape to him. He loved me. We were texting about it. He was let, saying, I'm going to let you know once we know where the location is. They locked it down to New Zealand and to the Weta workshop. Um, and then they, the studio decided, well, we're only going to cast locally in New Zealand. So I was disappointed, but I was like, Hey, I made it, you know, this gave me a lot of confidence that I can book a massive role, you know, because I got really far and now I've got a friend in Mike Doherty, um, and a great, a great guy who now I'm friends with Luke Hawker is actually going to end up playing Krampus. Um, funnily enough, they were looking for someone about, you know, seven feet tall and Luke is like five seven or eight or something like that. And he ended up playing him. Um, and, uh, but he, he also, I believe built it. He works at what workshop, but he also, he's a great actor and performer as well. Um, but, uh, years later, I'm at a friend's wedding in Atlanta and we're at a restaurant at night and my phone buzzes and I look at it and I got like a couple of texts from Mike once a year. Like one night I just got a text of a clown pointing at the camera, laughing in a very creepy way at like midnight. And I'm like, are you like outside my house right now or something? Like what the, what the crap? <laughs> um, and he texted me like pretty verbatim, like, Hey, this was January of 2018. And he was like, Hey, um, what are you doing in February? Are you free to do some Godzilla motion capture? And he had texted me a couple months before, I think in November when the rampage trailer dropped, Hey, great work. Like, I was like, Oh, thanks man. Like he texted me before my mom texted me. Like, he like the trailer broke two minutes later. He had seen it and texted me. Um, 
And uh, and then I got him on the phone, and he was like, "Yeah, I want you. Uh, you know, there's Ghidorah, three headed, three headed uh, dragon, and and um, you know, there. I want I want three people to play the heads. I want the middle head to be like an alpha leader, big brother. I want you to play the alpha um, head. Um, you know, it would be sometime next month. Are you available? Do you want to do it? And I was like, Yeah. He's like, Okay, cool. Text me your your um, your agent's information. Let me know if you have any recommendations for the right or the left head, and uh, we'll get it set up. And I was like. I hung up the phone and came out of the bedroom and told my girlfriend and my roommate at the time, like, I just got offered Godzilla <laughs> on the phone. What? I didn't even have to, like, audition or anything. That was the first. That was like, holy crap, the phone rang, um, you know, like it does in a movie. And um, he took none of my recommendations for the right and the left head. I was like, okay, who do I want to work with? Okay, uh, well, I would get Andy Circus, I would get Benedict Cumberbatch. I would get Terry Notary. I would get, you know, um, and he ended up going with uh, Richard Dorton and, um, and Alan Maxson, who I'd never met, who were phenomenal, uh, as my brothers. And, but that's how it came to be. Uh, and then I got, I got brought into legendary in Burbank. Um, and I, I have pictures of myself, like waiting in the lobby. It was like Godzilla posters behind me with like a 10 foot tall Godzilla, like statue. And I'm like, holy crap. I have no idea what this meeting's really going to be. And it's with me and Mike and, uh, obviously I'm there and Mike, um, and visual effects supervisor and, vis- and visual effects uh, producer. Um, oh no, I'm re- forgetting the visual effects producer's name. Visual effects supervisor was Guillaume Rocher, and, and oh, I'm terrible. I love you. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm blanking. Um, I'm gonna see if I can IMDb it while I'm while I'm talking. Because um, <laughs> I cannot. Ah. Oh. Um, but we we thought they showed me pre pre visualization of scenes of of Ghidorah, you know, with him waking up out of the ice, this and that, the fight scenes at the end and stuff, um, kind of like PlayStation Two version graphics of it, um, and uh, and and then they said yeah, so and then they brought they brought us in to watch the movie, so we got to watch the movie before we filmed it. We watched it because they had filmed it the summer and fall of two thousand and seventeen. This was now February of eighteen. So Richard and I and Alan watched it seated appropriately. Left head, center head, right head, watching at Legendary, the screening, and uh, it had all the live action stuff that it filmed, some preliminary music, and then pre-visualization, kind of like the crappy version of, of, you know, just concept version of the visual effects. And so we're like high-fiving each other, and uh, spoiler alert, Richard's head gets ripped off. We're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you died. Oh, you're back to life. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like we were just like having a blast. Um and then the next week we filmed it. Sorry, uh, <laughs> what I've really enjoyed listening to with the three of you Jadora heads is just how lovely it is that those roles just seem to line up nicely for you, that like so often people are fighting for roles. And from what Richard was saying, it was like he was he was welcomed in. It was like, no, no, we've heard about you and this is the role for you. It's like, oh, I don't have to audition for that. And similarly for yourself, it's just, it's a phone call. Oh, you've landed Godzilla. And it's just, these things are meant to be. And with Alan Maxson, his, his first, you know, film, it's, oh, it's Godzilla. It's, it's just um, a very aus- auspicious yeah. timing, which is fantastic. Guys, we'll take our second break and return for our final part, where we'll ask some questions from UK Kaiju fans, our Facebook group. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you could save an average of $470 on your auto insurance. That's a lot of money in just a few minutes. With savings like that, you could be lounging on an impractical amount of ornate and overpriced throw pillows you bought for your couch. But you won't, because you're better with money than that. That's why you're calling us in the first place. Call 1-888-FARMERS to get a quote today. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. 
Save based on average nationwide annual savings survey data July to December 2020. Underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance. Exchanges or affiliate. Products not available in every state. Here's three great reasons to get the new Samsung Galaxy S21 5G at T-Mobile. One, it's free for both current and new customers when you trade in an eligible device. Two, T-Mobile's the leader in 5G coverage. So, three, you can unleash 5G speeds in more places with your new phone. Get the new Galaxy S21 free at T-Mobile, the leader in 5G coverage. Phone via 24 monthly bill credits plus tax. If you cancel credit, stop and balance on required finance agreement may be due. Contact us. Qualifying credit and consumer plan required. See details at T-Mobile.com. Welcome back to Kaiju Curry House. This is Jason Lyles here with Alex. Hi there. Paul. Hello. And Joe. What's up, folks? I was so tempted to say Joseph, but and now I said it anyways, but Joe. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. And none of us were sure how to pronounce your last name, so thank you for clarifying Lyles. that. Lyles. Lyles, yeah. And I found out visual effects pro- uh, producer Marcel. I love you, Marcel, so much. There we go. Right. Two things before anything continues. Yes. Paul has a very important question to ask you, Jason. It's yes. significant. It's dear to his heart. Paul, are yes. you ready? <laughs> it's okay, Paul. It's a safe space. I get to ask my question, do I? You do. Go on, <laughs> say it. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's a recurring thing where I just like to know how our guests feel about the Tremors franchise. <laughs> um, I, I would love to see another one. It's too bad that they didn't make that they 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 ended up exiting it and canceling it. Well, there is another film coming out this year. Tremors Seven's on its way for Halloween this Tremors year. Seven. Wait, there is seriously? Yeah. How did I miss that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I got because uh, I, I knew they were. A year or two ago, they were making it, and then they weren't, and so now they, they are. Okay, cool. Th- th- there you go. Yeah, see? It's done, it, Paul. It became a thing in this podcast where, like, the Graboids managed to dig their way in to every conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's classic. It's a classic franchise. It is, yeah. I remember watching the first one when I was a kid and being terrified. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah! Oh my gosh. I won't go to the desert now. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, the, actually, the second one was the one that got me when I watched it. It was really funny because... It was great. I was with it, right? You know, like right up to like thirty foot worm turns into that thing. But then <laughs> they started eating people, and it was terrifying. Yeah. Well, maybe there'll be an opportunity for you to play a tall graboid evolution esque oh, yeah. character. Maybe. You know, who knows? Maybe who knows? you are, but you've just kind of like been. Oh, there's Tremors films on the way. Is that? Oh, oh there's uh, a Tremors Seven. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, what? What's that? For? Tremors. Who knew? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone should go see that. Oh my gosh. Twice. So total curveball. I didn't know that Jason Lyles has played Rodan as well as the center head. Joe, lead on this, please. All right. So I really enjoy Rodan because, yeah. especially in the in Godzilla King of the Monsters, because it just seems like he, he just hates everyone. You know, like he will, there's, <laughs> let's just attack something and he's totally game. Uh, you know, yeah. trying to solo King Ghidorah. I mean, like, that's great. You were in two places at once in theory. So... How did it come about, you know, that you became Rodan? That must have been a vi- You talked about the George method acting. I mean, Rodan, how did you get into ha- Headspace and how did it happen in any case? Yeah, that was totally unexpected because I'm not credited. As, that wasn't in the contract or anything like that. We, believe it or not, we filmed everything for the whole movie in three days on a motion capture stage. Uh, with wow. how motion capture moves, you don't need to set up lights. You don't need to set up. Props. You don't need to set up. You know, there's no art department. It's just an empty carpeted space. So it's like, okay, we got that. Uh, let's 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 do the next scene. It's just boom, 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 boom. So we went through the whole movie in three days. Um, and on the final day, 
uh, we were, you know, we went through the film chronologically. So we, uh, the final day was, the, you know, the final thing we shot was the final scene with Godzilla looking around at the monsters. So to give TJ Storm, who played Godzilla, eye lines, so he has something, spe- someone specific to look at, they used the three of us, Richard and, and Alan and I, um, because, you know, spoiler alert, Ghidorah's dead at that point. So, um, so, you know, Richard, you know, who, okay, we need, we need you guys to be someone over here, someone over here. So, so, so Richard can look from there to there. Uh, okay. Who, and I was like, I call Rodan. I'm Rodan. And, um, so Rodan there at the end, he lands and he kind of, he kind of screams at him and then he, he's got, you know, and he, and he, he kind of, he, he gives a bow to him. And, yeah. um, so I just did that. We watched the previous and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do exactly that. And, if you look at his wings, about halfway from his body to the end of the wing is a hand. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like he's got arms there. So I use that to like kind of yeah. put on the ground and give a bow. And um, and after that, Mike came up to me and was like, hey, um, if we have time when we're done, do you want to do some Rodan scenes? Yes. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's not in your contract or anything. I was like, I don't care. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. This is street cred material. Come on. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> And so, uh, so I, we, we just, we really filmed just one or two scenes. Cause obviously they were like, cool. So let's hook you up in wires and do all this. But, uh, what we filmed was wires, the, you know, to have, to have him. Cause if he's flying, then, you know, I, I can't, I, I didn't do all of those scenes. So the, the scene that we did that he, they used my reference for was, um, was when he comes about the volcano. So, uh, so he cool. walked me through that. He walked me through, you know, the, the beats and the pacing cool. of, um, you know, it explodes up and you just, one arm comes out and, and lands and the other one comes out and lands and then you pull yourself up and you shake off the lava and everything. And, and you look down, you see the bomber coming and you zero in on that sucker and then you, you go up and just whoosh and, and go after it. Um, and so we, and we might have done something else. That I'm that I'm forgetting too, but we did that and maybe one other scene that was not as aerial, um, and then maybe that maybe they use the reference for the bow. I'm not sure. What about when he goes over to Godzilla and takes a bow? You know when he submits. Yes, at the end. Yeah, I, were, I, were you in that? That's what I did. Yeah, I, I yeah, was yeah. off camera, but mm-hmm. they still, even if I'm off camera, the, all the infrared cameras in the motion capture space are still capturing everything mm. in that grid. So they can still take that and use that as reference. And so they might have used that. I mean, I did exactly what was in the previs, which is pretty exactly what was in the uh, in the in the final film. So they might have used that as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, I didn't play Rodan throughout the whole film, but I was the only mm. person who got to play some of Rodan. So that was that was pretty cool to get to play two, you know, like sixty year old characters, basically. And and at short notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was just just Right there at the end, I was like, what? Like, oh, yeah, let's play some more. I don't want to leave. Let's play some more. Yeah. I have a quick question stemming off of this. So you said that everybody, you know, like it just needed like reference points for TJ Storm to just like look at like you. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. People will know I'm talking. Anyways, um, the behemoth was kind of like, it became like a cult fam favorite monster. Yeah. Mm. I love it too. Was, yeah. anybody, was anybody a behemoth? Did we, do we have anybody think to thank for that? That might have been Richard. Mm, there that we might go. Have been, that might have been Richard for the eyeline for, for the behemoth. I don't remember. 
See, um, he never mentioned that, but then again, the characters that Richard Dalton listed off, it was like, yeah, you could have few, easily few, lost few that in the mix of characters he's played. He's played everything. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember who, who Alan, because, you know, there's a whole bunch of, of There's of, a menagerie of, uh, of scary around yeah. Him. yeah, so I specifically was like, Rodan, uh, I don't remember, I think Richard was that behemoth. Um, there's Methuselah as well, remember. isn't there? The, the mountain type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were several. There were, um, there were several. Yeah. So Alan was, we were kind of formed a triangle around, um, yeah. around TJ. So he could look from there to there and to behind him and everything. And they, every, everyone could bow to him mm. and everything. Um, questions from our group. I've got a question yes. from Julia. And our member Julia says, after Jidora, George, and Ryuk, is there another major character slash monster from a comic or video game or a literary character, for example, that you'd love to bring to life? Mm. Hi, Julia. Um, who asked the question earlier as well? I didn't say hi to... There was some, some question on Facebook. I didn't say hi to, uh, to that person. Um, we do have a question from our long-term member. We've got one from Kerry. We haven't come to the question from Kerry I yet. I want to be sure to say hi to, to the person who asked the question earlier, too. No, that, that, that's good of you. Thank you. Um, Julia. So, oh my gosh, is there... You know, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure there is that I can't really think of because I didn't know... I didn't know about Death Note until... Until someone was like, hey, we want to bring you in for this thing. And it's called Death Note and your character's called Ryuk. And I'm like, how's it spelled? Okay, Death Note is that one word too. I didn't know. And so I didn't know that was a character I really wanted to play. I didn't know George would be a character I really wanted to play. Um, I mean, of course, I knew of Godzilla and all the various kaiju um, in, in, um, in, in that iconic franchise. But so I had a ton of fun playing all of those. But is there one now? I don't, I don't. Monster-wise, I don't know. I mean, Chewbacca comes to mind, but he's kind of done now, and he was already taken by uh, by Junis, um, who plays him uh, beautifully. Uh, of course, Peter Mayhew. Um, there is a, there is a, a, it's not a monster, but there is a, a film uh, that I would that would probably be a dream role as a human, um, a human character. There was a film on the blacklist in 2011 called Chewie. The blacklist is not a bad thing. It's actually a great thing. It's it's the best yet to be produced scripts in Hollywood of that year, and in 2011 ranked as the third highest potential above Saving Mr. Banks, Django Unchained. Since then, Oscar winning scripts was a script called Chewie, set in 1976 about how they made the Star Wars from the eyes of the uh, main character of the film, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca. So seven foot tall, 32 year old, brown haired, blue eyed guy um and so that would be an absolute dream role um and the director knows that i'm friends with the director he knows that if he if that's ever made um um but monster i don't know something will come up and i'll be like what um (laughs) there was a monster i got to play in a video game i voiced in a video game last year that i can't say what but a big game coming out later this year that i'm beyond psyched to have a small hand in um so i'll be able to talk about that soon but but i i i don't know i'm sure something will come up whatever comes my way i and i accept i pour myself into so no that's great think of anything um paul can you lead on the questions from kerry because there were wonderful questions but i've lost track of them (laughs) yeah do you want me to ask kerry's questions yeah yeah please thank you yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Skype's playing up over there. Yeah. Um, so uh, Kerry's just asked: uh, in comparison to monster suit acting, 
do you think that using motion capture loses some of the connection mm. that an actor might have playing the role? Um, or do you get more creative freedom because you're not in a rubber suit? Yeah, it's different. It's that's a that's a great question, Carrie. Um, because it, physically practical stuff, you're, it's right there, so that helps the actors be able to see something. But then with performance capture as well, the actor is still there. You know, even when in Rampage, when George is now, we weren't there to have worked with the actors of of Godzilla. So when it's on that scale, that's something that you know they're not going to put me four hundred yeah. feet up in the air. Um, but with George, with his eye line being 25 feet up, um, or maybe it was 20 feet, I was in a cherry picker um, for those scenes so that Dwayne can look up at me, at my eyes, right where George's eyes are, and I can look down at him. Um, so I think, if anything, it, it can really help with the connection of the actors because there's nothing hiding any part of me. So we can connect eye to eye, um, and then they can digitally bring that character to life um, in post-production. So it, it depends on the role, but there's definitely nothing lost, especially when it's on set. When the performance capture role is performed by an actor on set with the live action actors as well. Well, thank you for answering those questions. Yeah. I think it's time, yeah. gentlemen, to round off our episode. It's been an absolute pleasure, Jason. However, we'll finish off with, if nothing else. So, Paul, if nothing else... Uh, if nothing else, and I know you're going to bash me because it's not really kaiju, but I saw a really fun film at the weekend um, on Netflix called Rim of the World. It's a, it's an alien invasion film, but you know it's still a monster movie. I don't know if you've heard of it. Rim of the World. Um, kids go to this um, camp, you know, like a, like a, a, um, a getaway camp for for children to go, I guess, have fun during the summer. And while they're there, aliens invade, and basically it's up to this group of kids to save the world it's it doesn't take itself too seriously it's not a kid's film um there's some bad language but there's lots of movie references and it's just it's just good fun so if you've got netflix which I'm sure most of you do and you want to see a, a monster movie i would recommend rim of the world oh. well thank you for that joe thanks for calling me when i uh asked you to give me one second um yeah no no the time <laughs> there was a lag there was okay, a lag yeah. um i was gonna look for it but uh We've been talking Rodan, and I don't think that that monster gets enough uh, press. It's always Godzilla, Mothra, Ghidorah, Gamrod, King Kong. Um, but I think Rodan's a fantastic monster, and I think that his origin movie that Toho made, um, which is just titled Rodan, or Rodan the Flying Monster, depending upon what cover art you're seeing. But uh, it is great, and it has a fantastic... Um, there's a great buildup before you even see the monster. The original creatures that uh, this village are having issue with are these meganula, which are large centipede, crustacean-y, like um, insectoid things that are like, they're more than human-sized, and they're coming out of a mine that's dug too deep. And they're wondering where these things come from, and a mine shaft collapses, and one of the guys gets out, and he's like, yeah, there was some eating those, like popcorn. And you really need to check this out. So they go in there and they find like eggshell fragments, but there's nothing to be seen. And then, you know, like again, later, it's one of those great Jaws-esque uh, reveals. You find out that there is a flying monster and it becomes Rodan. And then you find out not only is there one, there is a second. And they do that in a very clever way. They don't just show you them. They say, it's going so fast. It was at that part of the world at one hour of the day and that part of the world at the other. Lord, to move that 
And then like you see like the, re- the, the dread on their faces like, oh crap, there's two of them. But it, it's a fantastic film. It ends with a really great ending. And the way that they dubbed it, um, they uh, there's a lot of exposition just in the narration from the main character's standpoint. So like uh, you don't lose a lot of dialogue. The plot is kept very true to the Japanese original. The special effects are first rate. But um, when you say that you got to play a 60-year-old char- character that really is worth something, like that is a great, just in and of itself, great story and great character. I would really recommend it. Hmm. Our listeners check out Rodan if they haven't seen it already. That's brilliant. Thank you for that. My, if nothing else today, is based on the theme that I'm starting to appreciate more and more, that the special effects artists are, in fact, the unsung heroes of so many films that we love. And for myself... I'd like you to check out Steve Wang, Creature Creator, who I have been recently speaking with. I'm in the early stages of possibly securing as a guest for the podcast, um, if I don't blow it as too much of a weird fanboy. And Steve <laughs> Wang was responsible for many of the special effects in The Predator. Yes, that Predator film. Um, the Giver, which um, for me and Paul basically got us into anime, massively massively important in japanese film and he's fantastic but he's he's very much an unsung hero one of these people you know not that many followers on twitter and you think oh okay not a big deal yes a big deal phenomenal individual like so many. oh yeah <laughs> exactly and there are so many creative geniuses out there who aren't necessarily that well known unless you know you speak to the right people and then you start to appreciate them for who they are Jason, if nothing else. If nothing else, I love that you bring up that fact that there are so many unsung heroes. Um, The Steve Wang, I've met him a couple of times at conventions, is such a kind, kind, kind guy. Uh, Such a humble person for all the work that he has done across uh, his entire career. There are are many. I'm such a nerd for behind the scenes because that's really where the magic comes together of... All of the, you know, playing the characters I've gotten to play, um, I've, I've come to know. I mean, with Ryuk, with George, with Ghidorah, with Rodan, I feel like I'm one of the smallest parts of those characters because of the amount of people that brought them to life externally with practical effects, visual effects, hours, days, weeks, months, even years of work to bring them to life. Um, and I saw today that uh, Mr. Andy Circus is being honored uh, by BAFTA uh, with an achievement, which he should. He should. He is very much an unsung hero. I was even at a Q&A one time, a screening of War for the Planet of the Apes, with a Q&A afterwards with visual effects, um, not supervisor, but uh, but but it, he's, he's, he's one of the owners of digital, uh, Weta Digital, Joe Letary, the director of War for the Planet of the Apes, with a composer, with, with this person, that person, and Andy Circus, And someone was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear Andy Circus." And the person who was sitting there who reserved a spot, you know, like applied to get a spot for the screening of this Q&A was like, who's Andy Circus?" And I was like, <laughs> he lived under a rock. What are you doing here? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how did you, how did you get to the, how did you get here? And they're like, oh, okay, huh. But uh, those unsung heroes, they very much, um, you know, there are so many people that bring this to life. So I'm, I'm very happy to see Andy Circus be honored for the work that he's done. Um, and I can't wait to see 
whatever they're doing with Godzilla versus Kong. Because as far as I know, none of us have heard anything about it. So I don't know who they're getting to do what, how they're bringing them together. Kong better not win. I don't know. Better not win. I'm a Kong fan (laughs) and I don't want him to win. That's ridiculous. It's a fire. It's a radioactive fire breathing walking mountain versus a large gorilla. And that battleship should have sunk when those guys were on it. I don't care what anybody said. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Careful as you slip on the soapbox that we've given you there, Joe. And sorry, can you catch sorry. the worms and return them to the can that Jason's just opened? Because we can yeah. talk about that yeah. all night. Yeah. Jason, it has been an utter pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me. You guys are pros. You guys are so awesome, so nice, um, so kind, and I can chat with you guys well, way too long. What I've been suggesting to Alan Maxson recently was that we will definitely get any of the three of you back, you know, anytime you're always oh, welcome you. on. But in the run-up to um, Godzilla vs. King Kong, what could be really fun is actually if the three of you did an episode together. Oh, gosh. Yeah, which could be carnage. Alan just said to me, sure, try and get our calendars to match, Alex. Yeah. That that was his first response. Yeah, that's very true. Um, But yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. The three of us together are... We're like uh, the three Stooges, yeah. And Richard Dalton has kindly said that when the three of you do get together at another convention, the hope is that you'll do a joint autograph together, which, which we would charity auction at our... Ki- yeah, yeah. Which will be for our Kaiju Con. Joe, the details for that, please. All right. So our Kaiju Con is August 8th in Birmingham. Um you can get tickets on Eventbrite. And uh, we do donate the proceeds to a charity, uh Naomi House in Jack Space, which is a children's hospice. So by all means, um, go ahead and book tickets. Even if you can't come, it's great because, again, you know it's going towards a good cause. So look us up. Um, we're at ukkaiju.com. We have a Twitter. We have a Facebook page. We're there for you to find us. Thank you very much, everyone. I'm signing off. There we go. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. See you next time. Say it, Joe. Say the line. <laughs> Keep it kaiju. <laughs> Wait, there we go. All right, have a tagline. <laughs> well, that's another episode of Kaiju Curry House out the way. Thanks for listening. We had great fun recording this episode. Uh, if you want to find out more about the show, you can join the Facebook group at UK Kaiju Fans. There's heroespodcast.com where you can see the other shows on the Heroes Podcast Network. We're at UK Kaiju on Twitter. And we have a new Twitter handle just for the podcast, which is at Curry Kaiju. And of course, coming up August 8th, we have the return of UK Kaiju Con. Tickets are available now on Eventbrite. Thanks for listening, as always, and keep it Kaiju. I'm going to ask a cheeky question on Ryu. One last cheeky question on Ryu. How many apples did you end up eating? <laughs> None. But I took a lot of bites out of them. But I took a lot of bites out of them, though. Like, there's a scene when. He's eating apples and lights like, if you ever do that again, I'll kill you. And he's like, yeah, right. Like, come on. And he's just biting apples, throwing them over his shoulder and stuff. So, um, or was I really biting those apples? I think, no, I think I was, no, I was fake. I think I was fake because they were already like, they like art department had like cut them out. I think they had like just bitten and like made them look good and then sprayed something to make sure that they wouldn't like go rotten. Um, And so I was pretending, but really chewing because like even the, the prosthetic back here, they said like, if it's the cameras back here, they could see like my my jaw and the ear moving and everything. Like, dude, it looks amazing. And then you really can't tell where is practical blending with digital. And um, 
I think it was. I think I definitely had. I had apples for like, you know, from Crafty, but I don't remember how many. I think uh, I, I liked. I like Granny Smith apples. I think Ryuk should try Granny Smith apples. I think he'd love those. I think he'd love the <laughs> sour taste to them. You're a good guy. I like that. You're a good guy. Well, I love, I love chat. I love chat with you guys too. You guys are awesome. Oh, thank, thank you. you. We are pretty. We are pretty normal. To be uh, fair. <laughs> normal. When I came off uh, Skype for the first time with Alan Maxson, he messaged me and said, "Oh, uh, for the for the record, Alex, can you can you let the other two hosts know that the three of you are normal fans? It's great. You're not weirdos." Yeah. I was like, "Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that. I think he's just saying that we're not weird." Yeah, thanks. Yeah. No, yeah, you guys are not weird. You're normally like not that anyone who's like weird. No. They're just ex- like they're just excited. Weird's not bad. They're just like, oh my gosh, I've been there with people. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, but, but yeah, you guys are very pro. Very, very. We just- are pro. Whoa. Pro, did you hear Whoa. that? Pro, haven't I been called that before? Chill there. I am yeah. keeping You're that pro. in the final yeah, edit. I'm keeping pros. that. Very pro. Wow. This is not your rodeo. It's not your first rodeo. You're a Hollywood star, you know, telling us that we are pros. I, wow. it's, it's a wonderful moment. We're um, pros, yeah. I'm going to tell my mother. If your friends haven't told you, McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets are back. The ones made with spicy tempura and aged cayenne. But before you go telling friends, make sure you get them first. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For a limited time at participating McDonald's. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.